When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by not Ryan. Uh, here's what happened, guys. Ryan, famously, as everybody knows, is gallivanting somewhere in the world on his honeymoon because, I don't know, he loves his wife. Ryan and I recorded two podcasts to cover these two weeks um, that he would be gone. Ryan sent me what he thought was two different files one of each podcast, which was 10 Pulled Predictions, which you heard last week, and good and the much-anticipated Good Hangs 3, which you're supposed to hear this week. Funny story about Good Hangs 3. Apparently, it's the exact same audio as the 10 Pulled Predictions. So Ryan made a fucking boo-boo, um, and now you're going to get a whole lot of fucking Greg. And that's a whole lot of cursing that has probably never been done on this open before. The other thing that Ryan uh, forgot to send Greg is Mark Messier. So this BSB is going to be Caps and Friends. And you guys are going to get some interesting intro music that you're going to absolutely love. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by you, the fans, obviously. The people that put up with Ryan fucking up left and right on this year podcast. Uh, You can support us at patreon.com slash Blueshirts Breakaway, where you get access to our Discord, our BSBOTs, our Gambling with Gregs, which is in full swing. And uh, this ad-free episode of me, <laughs> uh, Connor Rogers just come, come on the show today. He and I chop it up a lot, talk about the Rangers, the upcoming season, all that good stuff. But in the meantime, here's some random guy. Caps and Friends, Caps and Friends, a podcast that transcends. Caps and Friends, Caps and Friends, where topics diverge and conversation blends. From plays to movies and tales of adventure, a space where anyone can find their own treasure. Caps and Friends, Caps and Friends, a show that breaks the mold. Discussing life's wonders, both new and old. Hey, Blue Shirt Breakaway fans, welcome to another episode of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Greg Kaplan, doing this for the third time because there have been so many issues tonight. Uh, Ryan, still gone. But because Ryan is gone and he didn't give me audio files that I needed to upload this podcast for you fine people, we are not doing Good Hangs 3 today. Ryan is completely off the show. He doesn't exist. Join today the Devil's correspondent of Blue Shirts Breakaway, my good friend Jeff Belinsky, who's currently sitting in a house without power. Jeff, how are you? Um, I've been better, but the power is just a minor issue. Well, the guy came, so we're getting it turned back on. But... Is, was this open better or worse than the first open we did? I think the first one was better. I had some good zingers, and then you're like, oh, by the way, I'm not recording you at all. <laughs> that's, that's what kind of night it's been. Um, so here's what happened, Jeff. Ryan put me in charge, gave me a laundry list of things I needed to do while he was gone, and he thought that I was going to be able to do these things. Now, here's the good news. I have done all the things with all the materials that he's given me. Here's the problem. He was supposed to give me two episodes. It turns out he gave me one. 
So here we are, you and I, about to embark on a journey that we have not prepared for, and we're going to see where this road takes us. I'm, I'm all for it. So, uh, Mike Babcock, shall we? Um, that's the news of the day in the National Hockey League. <sighs> Dismissed, resigned. This is kind of like a you're not fired, but you can't stay here situation with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um has now coached as many games with the Blue Jackets as you and I have in our career. I guess, Jeff, the big question that's leading the conversation today is just a general feeling of, boy, this sure did feel inevitable, didn't it? Yeah, it did It did seem like it was going to happen one way or the other, but I was kind of looking forward to how inept he would be behind the bench for a division opponent throughout the season, but it seems with a replacement it might not get much better but uh it's a pretty questionable hire in the first place and you have the old hockey guys being like oh yeah no but it's mike babcock so you know gotta give him a chance it's it's mike babcock and he turned out to be mike babcock and you know things came to light in specific ways that it's very interesting to me um but yeah here we are nobody's really super surprised about this right I I've never been less surprised about something ending in catastrophe in my entire life from a Metro perspective. I think you and I looked at the blue jackets fairly similarly. I I don't think they should be completely overlooked and ignored. Like say the Philadelphia flyers, but I also thought it would have been a reach to go ahead and pencil them in to the playoff picture. Once the season got underway, I think there's solidly the, either sixth or seventh best team in this division. And that really depends on how you view the capitals. Um, I don't think this is going to, it's definitely not going to reinvigorate the roster. I can't see them going on a win this one in spite of Babcock type run. Do you see this raising their tides at all? Do you see them kind of floundering as what we expected? What, what's the in-season impact? Do you see this? Are we even talking about this in December? I, I think you're always going to ask, though, like, what if, you know, that stuff never happened. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the locker room kind of reacts to it because we obviously saw a statement from Jenner, right, um, in support or, you know, kind of dismissing the claims against Babcock, and then the NHLPA does their investigation and, uh, you know, he ends up resigning. We don't still don't know the details of any of that, really. Um, but is the locker room going to be like yeah fuck that guy together uh and kind of band around it or is it going to be like oh hey like i don't know who i could trust in here because i'm saying one thing somebody's leaking stuff somewhere else and you know we're not handling this as a team so you can see it going either way at the end result you know i think their their wins are going to kind of be around what they would have been with him or without um they do still have high-end talent uh, in certain spots of the ice, they're not complete dog shit like you know Philadelphia is that you referred to, um, and I think it's a tough league. And pretty much anybody who's not an easy out, you can't really sleep on, um, and you got to kind of show up each night. So overall impact, I don't think we were really scared of them anyway. But I don't know how you guys are feeling. No, I I haven't paid much attention to the Blue Jackets. But to be fair, much of the reason I wasn't paying much attention to the Blue Jackets is because I figured Mike Babcock was not going to lead that team to glory. Um, I think they are going to be in a better position with a different coach. The circumstances surrounding it, 
it's a completely different situation than what happened with Carlos Beltran's zero game tenure with the New York Mets, but that clearly disrupted what should have been an otherwise successful season with the Mets. Um, that's the only thing I have in my life to compare it to. I just, I mentioned this, Connor Rogers comes on the show later. He and I talked Babcock a little bit because I figured that was the appropriate point to talk Babcock since there was going to be a whole 40-minute segment of this podcast that was going to exist that now doesn't exist because my co-host is on some goddamn mountain with no cell phone. Um, I, I think the interesting thing to me is Jenner and Goodrow, I don't think they were covering for Babcock necessarily. I think they were speaking honestly when they said whatever it is that Babcock asked these guys to do with their phones, they didn't see it as that big of a deal. I think they're sincere when they say that. So that raises the question, how big is the disconnect between the veterans on the Blue Jackets team and this younger generation that's coming up along the wings? Is Boone Jenner going to be able to be a leader of that locker room if he so badly misread how his locker room was going to react to this thing that Babcock was apparently asking all his players to do? Yeah, I mean, the Jenner thing is in direct response to the Spit and Chicklets episode. So, like, him doing that and putting his name to it, whether or not it was, like, the team being like, oh, just put this out and this will all go away, like, we've seen this stuff before or whatever – because we have, um, it's still him like firmly planting his foot in the ground on like one side of this thing. Um, and the guys that actually had to go through it, whatever it is, to what extent um, that it affected them, um, you know, maybe you want to kind of call a few guys or see where it's coming from before you put out a statement. And I don't know if he did that or not. Um, it's interesting you bring up Beltran, though, because felt like Beltran, every, all the Mets fans were on the same page and they were very excited about him being the coach of the team. Whereas I don't know how the overall fan base with uh, Columbus or the locker room feels, but I don't know how exactly psyched um, or to what extent, if it was the same as with Beltran, uh, that they wanted Babcock coaching the team. Oh, no. Uh, from that perspective, not com- not comparable. The I don't know a ton of people deep in the Blue Jackets fan base and organization, but I know a few that have come on this podcast occasionally and everyone was kind of doing the, well, I guess this makes sense from an old hockey man perspective and maybe this team could be better, but God damn it. Was there really nobody else out there that we could have hired? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's from where we sit, from where I sit, I won't put words in your mouth though. I think you're going to agree with me. It really felt like this was eventually going to end something like this. I just didn't see a way where who would have thought no one would have accepted a Mike Babcock redemption tour. We all would have been skeptical the entire way. And in fact, the, I would say, you know, you and I aren't spitting chiclets guys per se, but I wasn't a huge once, once your traditional hockey media came out so against the story originally, that to me, you and I have this thing called the oh interesting, oh that's interesting meter. And when everyone came out against the story and Bissonette doubled down, tripled down on his version of the story, that's when it reached peaked OTI for me, where I was like, are we really doing the keep everything hush hush under the carpet for this hockey guy thing again? 
Yeah, the the Chekhov aspect to it all is very interesting because it they have such a hard on for Babcock. If you've heard, you know, them getting stories out of players about how shitty he was is a common theme throughout the podcast. Um, you know, I'm not completely anti them, but I think if it was any other type of, you know, whether it's social situation or even about another coach, I'm not certain that they would have went to air with it, but I'm definitely certain you know, now with all the investigation and all that, um, that they knew that they had their sources right. Cause the second that they found something on him, they were like, okay, we hundred percent know this is true. We're going to run with it. Um, I don't know if they thought that it would end up in him having to resign, but you know, I think they're definitely happy with the outcome here. Yeah. Well, let's, let's pivot a little bit. We'll talk Metro. I don't think you and I have talked on the podcast since the end of the playoff series. We don't have to rehash that bullshit. Uh, since we last left the national hockey league, Ryan and I have been on this podcast all summer long saying that the devils are either the number one or number two team in the Metro. And all, all it matters is how you rank the Carolina hurricanes. But I'm always curious to hear what your perspective is. The biggest devils fan. I know the devils correspondent for BSB where you currently sit here on a Monday in September before the season starts in terms of what you expect this upcoming season. Uh, I expect that they will be cup contenders throughout the year. I, I expect them to finish top five in points. I think that, you know, there's been some subtractions from the roster, but the Toffoli trade is like absolutely massive. Um, they ink their guys to long-term deals. Um, they've picked the horses that they're going to run with. And, you know, I think you look at the starting roster for game one this year, versus what it was last year, and it's miles better. And, you know, until they traded for Timo Meyer, that game one roster was pretty much what took them through the whole season. Now, you know, they lost some defensive, you know, veterans in Severson and even Graves to an extent, but I think the young guys that are coming in, they made some really solid depth trades for, you know, Colin Miller on defense, Thomas Nosek, you know, for a fourth line, maybe third line role. Um just guys who have been there and can get the job done. And, um, you know, the, I think as far as the Carolina aspect of it goes, they beat us, you know, there's no reason to change to their roster that should, you know, barring a Tony D'Angelo, uh, should really make them feel like any less of a, an opponent coming into this season. So I still have to probably rank them above where I think the devils are going to finish just because we haven't taken that step yet. Um, but I'm as, as excited as I could be for any season upcoming. I, I think the world is a team. I'm curious how you, I, I know you said you have to view the hurricanes as the number one because they beat the devils last year and that's all fair and good, but don't you kind of get the feeling that the hurricanes are kind of this roadblock towards a Rangers devil showdown once again, where both teams and fan bases have their eyes set on each other and the hurricanes are kind of on the outside of the circle of trust trying to look in. Well, I think that just kind of goes to how we think of them as a, as a rival or how we think of their roster. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of guys out there um, that you're really like shivering when they're coming down at you. Um, you know, there's obviously a few names that are going to make me bite, uh, that are going to bite me in the ass, but um, we just, they're just like this other like little brother, even, you know, less than the devil's already you and 
way less than you guys are to us. It's it's just we don't take them seriously. And even if they won, you know, they've had cup success in the past more recently than either of us have. Um, and we still don't think much of them just because they're Carolina, I feel like. What, trying to think of the best way to word this, why haven't you traded for a goalie? We've, we've had this conversation before. We, we haven't um, had it on the podcast, though. We haven't had it on the podcast. Um, I just felt like the, the way the roster is right now, building off of what they have last year, um, first off, I, I don't think there's an issue with the goaltending. You know, Vitek wasn't what we wanted him, him to be in the playoffs, but Schmid absolutely proved it, and, and you guys saw it twice in forms of a shutout. Um, and even against Carolina, I think those first two games we had were tough. We're on short rest, and, and they put VTech in for game three. Devils score eight, but he still puts it, lets in four. Uh, and Lindy Ruff decided to go with him for game four. I think if Schmid was in there, um, he took us to overtime in, in the game five, deciding one that you know we lost in overtime um, on a power play, no less. So I don't really fault you know the goaltending there that much. Um, and it's a tandem that you know, set a record for uh, regular season wins for the Devils. They set a points record. They set a, a wins record. And VTech was the second Devils goalie in history to, to win 30 games in a season. So as far as what I think the baseline of what they can produce is, it's definitely playoff caliber. And I think the Devils are going to have the puck enough that, you know, the, the one save here or there that they might miss, it's, it's not going to really affect the outcome too much. You know, playoffs are going to be a different thing. Um, so that's one aspect is just being – confident in, in what we already have. And then two was you look at the cap situation, there's not much there. Um, we probably would have had to give a little more in terms of draft capital or, or a roster player to get somebody like Hellebuck over here. And I think there's always risks with injury and, you know, performance. Hellebuck has shown it throughout his career to be, you know, one of the best goaltenders in the league um, currently um, just numbers wise. But I just didn't see what we were giving up equaling what the difference that we were getting back, um, especially for the regular season. Um, you know, if we trade closer to the deadline, you know, there's stats that like, oh, a deadline goalie has never, you know, had any success in the playoffs or the team that acquired him. But, you know, those are all historical. Um, but I, I was just confident in the guys we had and, and, and giving up what, what I thought we would have to and, but Cheryl agreed because he, he didn't make a deal or they couldn't come to an agreement. Um, it just wasn't worth it at the time. The, I'm always curious to hear what someone who follows the team as closely as you do thinks the red flag is for their team to not have success. I mean, Ryan and I come on this podcast and essentially say this season's going to come down to whether Alexi Lafreniere can take the leap. Um, and it's, it's about Capococco solidifying himself as a top top line right winger and it's about the stars being the stars again which they simply weren't in the playoffs what do you see as your devil's red flag what is what is the achilles heel where if this doesn't go well all of a sudden the expectations flip on their head injury notwithstanding like obviously if you lose jack hughes that's i'm not interested in that conversation anybody can get injured at any time that's all of our red flags what is something incremental the Devils need to do on a night-to-night basis to make that leap, that if they don't do it, you're afraid that the armor's going to crumble? I, I think it's it's a lot of effort 
Um, and, you know, when things aren't going well for them, how do they adjust? Do they stick in the games or, or do they kind of just call it a night and say, oh, you know, we got a good enough team. We'll get them next time. Because last year, you know, to start the season, they lost the two games. They're chanting, fire Lindy, all this bullshit. Um, and then they go on a massive winning streak. And, and something really changed within the mindset or, or the outlook of the team where they were just different than they were the year before when they were out of it, you know, every, every other night because the goalie was letting in three. Well, even though well, they had, you know, the majority of the play in their end. Um, and you just saw a lot of comeback wins. You saw them score, you know, two goals in 40 seconds or 14 seconds against Edmonton um, to kind of flip games on the road. They just had, they just always had like that dog in them, that fight in them. They scored a ton of, you know, late to bring it to overtime, got all these points that they never should have had. Um, And if things go south and the new guys that they brought in don't really gel, um, you know, that's going to be kind of the, 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 what is it, a parrot in a gold and a coal mine or whatever, or you said a red flag. Um, Canary is the bird you're looking for, by the way. Canary, there we go. Um, if, If that loss loss of faith is there, um, then I'm going to start to worry about this team. But as long as they're giving me a full effort night in, night out, I know these players um, are good enough that they're going to have a lot of success. Be reflective on on me. You're a guy that looks at the Rangers completely differently than I do. Um, what, what has you worried about the Rangers? What has you confident you can repeat the performance you had last year against the Rangers? So two separate questions there for you to digest on. Yeah, what what makes me worried is, you know, you guys have a ton of top-end world-class players. Um, you know, specifically in net, he's always Igor's always going to give you a shot um, every single night, and it's never going to be easy to, you know, get him in the goal as, as it is with other teams. Um, so, you know, despite how those guys performed in the playoffs last year, um, I think the Devils had a lot to do with that, but they still have, are capable of doing of performing at that high level on any given night. Um, and you, sh- you saw it in that series when it was going your way. Like, that's it's, it's hard to stop. Um, but where I still feel confident is how we match up against you, how we can use our speed um, to control the five-on-five play. I, I still think we have a massive advantage there. Um, I think the numbers bear that out. Um, and I think we can frustrate you and, and just have the puck more than you and get better chances. Um, and come out on top um, until you get until Panarin's going to play a 200 foot game or give a full effort every night. I'm, I'm oh. not going to be as scared oh. of him as I was a few years ago. All right, tough guy. I hear you All over right. there. Listen, he shaved his head. He's a completely different guy now. Yeah, but I, I mean, also, I think the additions you made on the roster definitely scare me because um, I think those guys are ones that play a little better. Um, at five on five and, and we'll give you a full effort. You know, the Beninos, the wheelers, like, I don't know what they're going to look like in your uniform. And I'm not really itching to find out. I, I, I hope it goes our way, but um, those additions are really solid. Uh, boy. Yeah. I don't know. I, are you ready for hockey? I think you're ready for hockey season, right? You've been itching. I just, I have um, this go for it. Oh, no, I was saying, I'm itching, and I, I signed up for season tickets this year, so I, I got every game 
I cannot wait to go. I'm, I'm debating whether or not I'm going to the Flyers preseason. That one might be a little rough, um, but I'm I'm just looking to get in the building. Yeah, I'm just I'm in such a sports malaise that nothing sports wise excites me right now. I can't think of one thing that gets me out of bed in the morning if it's sports related. Ronnie Mauricio, maybe I don't know. It's been a tough it's been a tough summer for old Greg here, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been going great. <laughs> Um, any, any final thoughts you have on the Metro, on the devils, on the Rangers, any, anything, anything cooking up in the dark? Why don't you have power? What happened? Did you not pay a bill? You just moved into this place and then you went on honeymoon. We just moved into this place. We were shutting off power at our old place and PSG shut off power at our current place. Instead. <laughs> and I tried to just have them flip the switch over the phone. They refused to do it. It was total bullshit. The guy came out with the truck. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to do it over the phone too. They won't do it for me. Um, but he said, if they don't fix it, he's going to come back and give us free power. So, um, <laughs> we will have lights tonight. All right. All right. I'm currently sitting in a room in the dark. Well, you're not, you're not missing anything with the football games that are on right now. I think Nick Chubb, uh, may have lost a leg. If I'm to believe what, what's being posted in our Slack currently. Um, okay. Yeah. Joe Buck's quote. I am told the replay of Nick Chubb getting injured is not to be seen. Oh, that's not exactly how I want anything described to me in any way, shape, or form. No, I think I can skip that video. I think I know what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Jeff, I appreciate you toughing out these twenty minutes with me. Um, I know you don't. You don't got anything to plug. What do you got to plug? Your new your new I, digs I that don't, don't have any power. Yeah, come come by. You can sit in the dark. It's it's really great. The vibes are immaculate. I was actually going to ask you. This is now Greg planning his life out with Jeff on the end of a podcast here. Uh, I thought I was going to have to pick Gina up from the airport on Sunday. So I was going to invite myself over and stay at your place Saturday after the engagement party we're going to. Turns out she's flying in on Monday, so I'm not staying over. Sorry, buddy. Oh, that's a bummer, but you're welcome anytime. Awesome. Uh, All right. We're going to transition. Connor Rogers is up next. He and I have a wonderful planned 50-minute conversation where I make reference to Good Hangs 3, the part of this episode that you were supposed to be listening to now that Ryan did not send me and has no way of sending me until he comes back from wherever the hell he is where I get to yell at him. And that's going to make for great podcasting. Uh, Jeff, I'll see you soon, buddy. Can't wait. And we're back. And by we, I mean the face that runs the place, the guy with all the juice. Uh, Greg is back. I'm joined by my good friend, uh connor man it's been a minute since you've been on the show it has been a little while definitely not since the playoffs the last time i saw you guys was at the watch (laughs) party when they lost in overtime to the devils not the thing i remember most about that watch party though connor connor rogers of uh let's see what what, (laughs) sny uh jets coverage mets coverage what don't you do for sny these days Oh, man. Um, I definitely don't talk about hockey for them, which is a good thing. Or <laughs> basketball, which is a good thing. This is, they but should yeah, they keep they, me busy. Buddy, they should put you and Gelbs on a hockey show, though. Oh, it, they could just record Gelbs and I before. So we get to the office for Jets pregame whenever the Jets are playing. And usually Gelbs and I just talk about the state of the Rangers <laughs> before the Jets pregame show. And then sometime during the game, depending on what's going on with the Jets, and then usually we'll text about it during the week. So they could just record all of that, and that could be a Some Wise Rangers podcast for the week. Yeah, and I, so I, I watch a bunch of the Met games. That This is behind-the-scenes shit that no one's going to care about. I watch a bunch of the Met games through SNY.TV because I 
I'm usually these days, thank God I'm doing something else besides watching this Met team and the Mets pod infomercials run probably on loop at this point. It's your Met pod infomercial. Oh, no, that's it's, <laughs> it's the it's Pete, Pete Alonzo, Mr. Met commercial being like, good. We're not going to get up from the couch all day. Uh, and then it's some oh, child care oh, support. So uh, it's you saying this seems uh, they're, they're about to record. They need to kick us out of the studio or you're a cartoon. Those yep. are the two things, Connor. I, I've seen them about a million times now. Yeah, hopefully people aren't compl- entirely sick of me. Like there might be p- people listening to this podcast and they're like, "God, now I have to hear them about the Rangers." <laughs> my one escape from them. Uh, so I apologize to all those people. I really do. Well, before we get in the Rangers, we do have to talk news of the day. Uh, since Ryan's not here, you're my. Uh, I, I've upgraded. You're much more attractive. You're much more uh, <laughs> opinionated, I think, than Ryan. Even we got to talk Babcock. So let, let's rip this off yeah. like a bad band aid. Awful hire the second they made it. Mostly, even if you want to just look at it from a purely hockey tactic standpoint, Babcock, it, it's a different game. He he can't relate. Right. It, I mean, he can't relate to the play styles of a young player in this day and age, let alone, as we've learned, can't relate to a young player, period. But it's a higher... It was, an, it was a higher of arrogance, right? That's probably the best way to describe it what it felt like it didn't match really their roster the state of the franchise I, and forget all that right like call it a bad fit which is easy to do with a guy like him but it also just i can't believe he got another job right for the things you said greg like you look at his history and you're like well that's a good reason to not hire him and then you look at how far removed he is from the game and it's like that's another good reason to not hire him and then you look at the blue jackets who we don't really expect to be competitive yet and they have some young players that they really need to they needed to nail this hire, and that's what you came up with? I understand it might not be the most coveted job in hockey, but that's what you came up with, and it somehow went way worse than anyone expected at the end of the day. Uh, we, in, in, in Ryan's honor, we have to say, again, I love John Davidson. Um, I, I, I don't think I ever said a bad word about him on the podcast, but boy, James Dolan really got it right, man, when he, when he moved on from – Davidson and it, again just to set the picture straight the reason the Rangers moved on from Davidson is not that the Rangers disagreed with anything that he did in terms of roster building or team building it was simply John Davidson went out of his way to say that the statement the Rangers released after the Capitals ragdolled them around in a COVID regular season game was not his doing and was the guy upstairs and the guy upstairs was like whoa wait a second what the fuck get the fuck out of here if you don't like what I'm doing Uh, he's just, he's continually stepped in it since he's left the Rangers and it's tough. I, it's hard to change my Davidson always felt like the loving uncle, the, the guy you'd love to spend time with at Thanksgiving, but you have to wonder if the game's kind of passed him by too. And that doesn't even begin to explain Yarmo Kekalainen who I don't, I don't understand how he keeps his job. I really don't. Uh, I don't get that part either. And I, I, that's where the conversation is kind of turn to it is odd i feel like columbus maybe they just feel they don't feel they are a rudderless ship where they don't know where to go if they just blow it all up now you have babcock on if cackalinen goes maybe they just feel like they're in a state of this timing of the year so odd to be making those kinds of hires what are you going to come up with and you got to give whoever it is you know multi-year contract so 
I'm sure there's a lot of different politics there and it's, it's all a disaster. That's one of my favorite takes from you guys that you bring up somewhat consistently that the like when those firings happened from the Rangers, it was a state of shock. Everybody was like, what? I remember I was still working at Bleacher Report and there was quite the group of us that are diehard Ranger fans that would pretty much congregate on everything Rangers. And we were just like, what? Where did this come from? There was outrage. It felt like nobody really, obviously nobody applauded at the time. Now you, you look back and you're like, whoa, I'm not going to say crisis averted because not everything is perfect right now. But man, it could have gotten really, really bad if you just rode that out with those two guys. And you you said it off the top. I, I'd push back on Columbus not being the world's greatest job. Obviously, it's not in the biggest metropolis in the National Hockey League. But you have Johnny Hockey. You have Patrick Line for another year. You That's have, true. You have Fantilli, who just yeah. signed. They have a really good core and it sounds like from listening to um, the established hockey media that everybody seems to love working for Columbus because more times than not, ownership leaves them alone and lets leaves them to their own devices to run the team and their image. So it, it's it's a valuable job from the perspective of you won't have someone hovering over you all the time. But I I just this is why owners hover after a certain point. You almost understand it more because how 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 did somebody let this happen that's really what it boils down to i think too you bring up a, po- a really good point that you know there's certain places where maybe there's not expectations within a one-year window and i would think columbus easily fits that bill and owners won't hover but the one thing you can't do is embarrass them right mm-hmm. and they found a way to hire the guy that truly embarrassed the franchise just the way this story played out just the way it went down, considering his reputation, the fact he didn't even make it to a coaching one game for the team before something like this happened. And you're right. It is. It is this. like, obviously, we're Rangers fans. We're not rooting for Columbus, but they do have exceptional young talent that you would like to see develop. Most notably, of course, Fantilli. And I just it's a, it seems like a really, really bad environment and a franchise that is just barely treading water right now and how they recover from this is going to be fascinating because like i said what a weird time of the year to be going through something like this i mean it's it's not even going to be it's it'll be hard enough just for the front office and management to recover from this but i do think it's worth asking a fair question of boone jenner and johnny goodrow not throwing any shade at them not not saying they aren't good guys they probably realistically had different experiences with whatever this photo sharing scandal that has broiled over into Babcock no longer being a coach. Their experience may have been completely harmless, completely innocent, but I just, if there was such a disconnect between Goodrow and Jenner's experience with Babcock versus the younger players who, again, not going to speculate on who, not it, it could have been anybody, it could have been one person, could have been a bunch of guys, but I just... If you're Boone Jenner and you misread the room that drastically, I I don't know if it's great for him moving forward there either. Right, and it kind of makes you wonder, you know, we're in such a different era of sports, right? Like doing the NFL draft year-round, and it's it, there's nothing wrong with this, but just, you know, the it, the generations change. Kids are just different, and and different, like sports culture changes within sports, and I think, you know, some of the veteran players might have came up in a, in a junior hockey or a college hockey era 
that and came up as rookies or, or very young players and were just that's how it went and you were treated different you kind of just shut up your mouth and kept things moving and i'm not saying anything's right or wrong with all of that but now it just feels like a different era and i think ultimately right like even if this story didn't blow up if this is how he was making his debut to his new team I mean, when would this have, the wheels have completely fallen off during the season, right? Like when they start losing games, which they were going to lose games. How is he going to react? I'm sure this is a dude that could sit there in a room with a GM and an owner and be like, yeah, I've changed. Here's what I've done. And you have like a binder and it's all this bullshit. And then when you start losing games and, you know, you get punched in the face and shit gets real as it does in sports, especially when you're a team that's not expected to contend. It just feels like all of that stuff starts to creep back up and the real you comes out. We didn't even get to that phase. That's what's unbelievable in all of this. Crazy. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. There, there's not enough. I've never been paid enough money to let a superior go through my camera roll. I don't I don't have total a lot of move. Yeah, I don't have any inappropriate. I, I'm, I promise people I don't have inappropriate pictures saved in my camera roll. At the same time, I wouldn't want to see a boss. I wouldn't want my boss to see the memes I just have stored same. on a rainy day. Like that alone is, if you saw what memes were on my camera roll, I don't think I would have the job I have. Like it's just, it, it's so personal. It, it is an invasion of privacy I would never want to experience. I mean, how do you even react to that? And it's what makes it tougher, right? Like imagine being 20 years old and reacting to that. And it's your you know, first go around with an NHL franchise. And you're just kind of shell shocked at that kind of question. Like now, you know, us sitting here in our 30s, we're like, I'd be like, uh, no, get your hands off my phone. <laughs> like when you're an adult and you just push back. But yeah, for some of the, you can easily see why a young player was like, what the hell just happened to me? I mean, I, Boone Jenner's four years younger than I am. I don't know why he was so cool with it. I yeah. whatever. Not neither here nor there. Babcock out as Blue Jackets coach. But let's let's talk Rangers. That's what we're here to do. That's that's what we do. The last we left our heroes when I saw you last, uh, you were picking the most confounding fight I've ever seen in a bar. <laughs> Definitely not picking. <laughs> no, that that fight picked you for sure. Actively avoid. I mean, listen, the state of my life, I am absolutely not looking for fights especially at a bar in new york city and man it was like swatting a gnat away and <laughs> you just could not kill it and uh, i'm like oh man i uh no, for those listening uh nothing ultimately did happen nothing it was like not a thing a not away. a, not a yeah, thing in the world yeah that was uh that was a weird situation wasn't it yeah i think i've told this story on the podcast but from my perspective i was talking at a different part of the bar to different people. Ryan comes up to me. He's like, Hey man, I think I got to get security. There's a guy bothering <laughs> Connor and never in my life. I had, I been more excited. I was like, this is my moment. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to be the guy that throws. I got to save Connor. He's the NFL draft is right around the corner. I can't afford this to happen. And I get down there and I meet the guy that was chirping you. And I'm just like, Oh, this is depressing. I could beat him up. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't going to make me look tough. What happened was he came in with a group of people and I guess they were interested in watching the Rangers, but he was not. And so Matt and he's clearly like very, very drunk at a minimum, probably blackout, but at a minimum, very, very drunk. And he came into a Rangers watch party with his friends and I guess he was just not happy. That's where the night ended up. And he's just like, you know, starting with everyone around him. Oh, this is a Rangers watch party. Like what? And then just kept like you know, slamming into people, falling over, but also not being responsible for it. rather than just being like, hey, sorry, I'm a little drunk. It was like, no, everyone else here is at fault. I'm looking to fight everyone. And 
I think the final straw was because you're trying to watch the game too, and this is a high stakes game. And the Rangers were not he, playing I, too well. No, and I think he I think he fell into Ryan or said something to Ryan, and I was like, you know, when you just snap, I was like, dude, you're done. <laughs> and I looked at his friends and I was like, get him the fuck out of here, or someone else will. And you know, he obviously it was like a little worm and got upset and uh and you know eventually his friends did a great job. his friends were actually really nice his we friends, were, his friends were great yeah no yeah they threw him out of the bar and came back and hung out with us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which we, is how low of a night can you have if you're that that little dude uh, it was very it was, they were so they actually bought all of us beers they felt so bad that he was that annoying and they stayed and watched the game it was yeah no his, something that was annoying and then hilarious his friends were great people i i just I, it's so many times in my life when I meet someone that I could beat up in a bar and they're picking the fight, I'm like, I'm supposed to be that guy. I'm supposed to be the annoying guy that is going to get into a fight that I can't win, but I'm going to do it just for honor's sake. And the second I got down there ready to go and I saw him and I was like, God damn it, Connor, you couldn't even pick someone big. <laughs> well, I, I, I did make the mistake because you just let him go and go and go. And then you realize like, okay, this dude's not going to leave until like he really just pisses off everybody to a point of no return where mm. it's violating when he started saying stuff to Ryan, I looked at him because he was wearing a vest. Everybody in this bar is wearing Rangers stuff and going nuts for the game. And he has a vest on and a button down on a what was a Saturday night. Oh, and I looked yeah, at him and right. I was I think I said, like, nice midtown uniform. Did you just come from Fidei? And <laughs> that, that didn't sit too well. So uh, you picked the, probably, you, you picked the right yeah. words. Yeah, that uh, probably didn't sit very well. Anyway, a lot has happened since then, Connor. Um, the Rangers signed half the NHL to $800,000 deals, most notably Blake Wheeler, Jonathan Quick, Nick Bonino, uh, Eric Gustafson, the big four headliners of that. Yeah. Um, your th- uh, camp's about to open. Where, where do you stand? Because we're in this really weird point of New York sports where it's gotten to the point where New York fans are so depressed that reporters – are asking Sabrina and the Liberty if New York is as depressed as it should be while they're playing great basketball. Where are your vibes? Obviously, we'll get into the Mets, we'll get into the Jets, we'll do all that. But in terms of the Rangers, where are you right now? I I still get excited for this team, and I know, you know, obviously I always listen to you guys. I understand why everybody, there was no big move to be made, and they couldn't make a splashy coaching hire. So it's hard for, and the way things ended, you know, how that series ended with New Jersey that started so strong and the way it ended, it's, it is hard for a lot of people. And I get it to truly be fired up in the way that we normally are for the hockey season to start. It feels like a lot of people are, you know, kind of standing there walking on eggshells and saying like, okay, what difference will a new coach make a veteran coach? Will some guy, we're having the Alexi Lafreniere breakout conversation yet again, right? We're wondering Hedl and Kako have taken big steps, but what's the next step for them? And then you're kind of looking at getting better on the margins, right? Like, what is Blake Wheeler going to do for this team? Obviously, you brought up Benino. What is he going to do for this team? How much does that strengthen the fourth line? I still get really excited for the Rangers, especially this is a really talented team. I don't want to lose sight of that. And they, we would think they upgraded to head coach considering what we saw how things played out last year and just how lifeless they were at it. You know, for most of that season, the regular season, it just looked like they didn't even really want anything to do with a lot of that regular season. They were itching to get to the playoffs. And then we saw how that went. I I mean, I do so much jets and Mets coverage and I love it. And it's the greatest thing in the world, but the Rangers are the time where it's like, okay, sit on the couch and I am an irrational fan. And that's why I just have to be so excited for them. Now, the thing is too, 
things are still wide open. Like we Igor as your goalie, we know how they can take care of business against Carolina. The Devils are really, really good. I mean, we just witnessed that, but they're not unstoppable. There's no reason why it's not going to be great back and forth games this season. I mean, the Rangers are are right there once again. It's not like they've fallen off or they lost this guy or this guy's hurt right now. It's I think people are just on this treading water phase because they didn't have that big move to make. And it's on guys on the roster, like you guys always say, just being better. And that's a frustrating thing as a fan because you you go into the stages, right, where you're like, okay, I'm hopeful. I think it's going to happen. Like Lafreniere is going to have a really big year. And I think the stars are going to play like stars and Igor is going to be Vesna Igor and, and everything's going to work out. And then you, you know, there's one bad game and you're like, oh man, here we go again. This is a repeat of what we saw last year. So I think people are trying to find the fine balance in between that. And that could be really, really tough to do. It's, it's interesting in hindsight where I think the entire fan base, the rational portion of the fan base, the quiet 65%. I think we all take a step back and look and say, hard to imagine the offseason truly going better than it did. Not that it was a great offseason, but it was the Rangers checked every box they needed to check, right? They got a puck-moving bottom-pairing defenseman that can either play over Zach Jones or support Zach Jones should he make the lineup. They added a middle six right winger with pedigree that should be able to move up and down the lineup, depending on whether their young players take a step forward. They solidified the bottom six, which they desperately needed to do after last season. They kept a veteran backup goalie who has been there, done that, whether you think he can do it again is irrelevant. As long as Igor is healthy, you kind of just need the veteran on the bench that knows what he's going to do. Maybe the coaching hire isn't the sexiest hire in the world, but my God, did they knock it out of the park with the assistant coaches? And it sure For looks sure. like they're taking swings where they should be taking swings. So in 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 actuality, it is hard to be negative about the New York Rangers heading into training camp, a team that, again, yeah, they on paper, they're not the Devils and they're not the Hurricanes, but they are a top three team in this division with arguably the best goalie in this division with some of the best individual players in this division. So it's right there for the taking. I just, I keep going back to how Eeyore New York City sports are right now. And it, 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 it really distracts me from being positive about anything. I mean, it was when Aaron Rodgers went down with the torn Achilles, it was meme central. It, I've, I've never seen a city, a sports city go down that bad, that quickly in my entire life. Yeah, it was a gut punch. There's no way around. It, it was worse than a gut punch because you're coming off this year where, I mean, the Rangers getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs that, that absolutely sucked, but Maybe even worse for a lot of people is what's happened with the Yankees and the Mets. You know, this is a baseball town. It's a, it's a baseball often. town. Whether people yeah. like to admit it or not, New York, no, New York City, first and foremost, is a baseball town. Yeah. So for the Yankees to not even be making the playoffs, the Mets, everything that, you know, did, and I'm glad they obviously blew it up and got pieces back, young pieces at the deadline rather than trying to ride out a final wild card spot. But it took the life out of everyone. And then it kind of made our attention turn to the jets who, you know, an incredible off season. So, and I think a lot of people with the giants, the giants were always going to be competitive this year, 
but I think they brought back a lot of players rather than they got Darren Waller. But outside of that, it was the situation where you're like, okay, a lot of the young guys need to take next steps like Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. And so I don't think Giants fans expect the Giants to just run through the NFC. And then with the Jets, I don't think the Jets were expected to run through the AFC. But with Rodgers, it just felt like there was the ceiling there that never, ever exists. So when he goes down on the fourth play of his of his Jets career, everybody's looking around and they're like, now what do we do? Right. It's like it's like the scene where Forrest Gump stops running and the crowd <laughs> behind him is like, now what? That's everybody. Nobody has any answers. And the, the honest answer is right now, in terms of the most talented roster, it's the Rangers. It, I mean, it is right. Like it's the Rangers. That is the and A lot of people will be really excited for the Knicks and I am, too. But in terms of players in their prime, um, it, importance at positions, right? Like you have a, you have a great goalie. You should be able to score. You have young talent on the blue line. You have a different coach, so the juice is a little different. We know they're going to be worked a lot harder, this group, a lot. It might actually be like a little bit of a wake-up call, I think. that's You're right, Greg. I mean, New York needs something to rally behind right now, and I think I think some fans are scared to do it. I, I, I felt it with Jets fans. Even after they got Rodgers, there was still some fans that are like, man, I don't know if I can put everything back into this because I'm so tired of being let down by my New York sports teams. And I think there's a little bit of that with the Rangers right now, especially when they overachieved with that run to the Eastern Conference Final where they should have beat Tampa. And then last year they underachieved. So now everybody's like, well, what's it going to be? I mean, are we going to be the third team in the Metro and maybe win a playoff round and then what? So I think that's that's what people are really struggling with, probably. I, I just you look at the last twelve months here, um, and so this is October, essentially end of September to end of September, where the Mets go out sad last year with a one hundred and one win team oh, that had disgusting. all all the expectations in the world and was playing great baseball. Probably the I best was at baseball. the Scherzer start against the Padres. So was I. Why did we? Why did we see each other? I didn't know you were there. That, I was, that I was, was another gut punch. Yeah, I did not have a when good Trent time. When Trent Grisham is hitting nukes against you in the playoffs, you're like, I there's no hope. I still have a I still have a theory. I don't think it mattered because Scherzer stunk, but um, the Mets should have pitched Bassett in Game One because Darvish was going and he owns the Mets. So it almost just. Shrug your shoulders that. and say, "Well, I don't know if I'm going to win Game One, and Bassett can keep this competitive anyway. But if I'm going to be down one zero, at least I have Degrom and Scherzer to end the series." Again, it doesn't. In hindsight, I don't think it matters at all. Scherzer was awful, so it doesn't. Baseball G- managers using strategy—that'll be the day. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> imagine telling Buck Showalter that you're going to start Chris Bassett in Game, game one. one. Yeah, because we oh, we don't man. like the U Darvish matchup. Yeah, I think he would he would have had a heart attack. <laughs> But think about it. The Mets go out sad. The Yankees go out sad. Um, the, they, and not just out sad, but their arch nemesis wins yet another World Series. Then you have the Knicks. Yes, it was a good season. Yes, it was a competitive playoff run. But we're still being fed this. We're one star away. We're in position to get the next star. We're one star away. And it hasn't happened yet. And we're entering another season where the Knicks, once again, have all the assets in the world. But yet... As much as we love Brunson, as much as people like Randall, as much as the R.J. Barrett post-FIBA World Cup hype, it's still the Knicks are one star away in an Eastern Conference that is very top-heavy. Then you look at the Yankees. I've already said them. Don't mean to go back down that rabbit hole. The Giants, right? They they are 
unexpectedly good last year, but like you said, they're kind of just running it back, and then they immediately give up 60 points before scoring their own point this year, and the Jets, you've already said it yourself. I think shell-shocked is the best way to describe a New York fan right now, which leads me to this question. If we're trying to change the narrative about how New York sports are, I mean, obviously the Liberty are doing their thing, but the Rangers are about to start up here as well. Connor, what's the thing that has you most excited about this Rangers team? Man, I think for me, it's still always the goalie. It is. It is. He is so gifted. He's a big game player. When he's on, and he's on a lot, you can play like total shit like the Rangers have at times in front of him, and it doesn't matter. And I think my final point that's the most important of why it's the goalie, I think the coach will understand the unique advantage they have with him, right? And and Sorokin's there too, don't get me wrong. I Sorokin's amazing. But there's not a lot of teams that have the advantage the Rangers have is the point. You can count them on one hand, maybe. I think they'll – I am i don't think this. I'm hoping this. They'll be able to play a little different and capitalize on that advantage. I, I think they'll be in a, hopefully a more aggressive team. I think they'll actually be able to get the puck out of their zone, which is something I just – will never wrap my head around them not being able to do last year under Gallant, which is infuriating. I think it's the fact that I don't even know what to compare Igor to. It's quarterback would be too much of a stretch, but an ace in baseball is not enough because they only take the ball once every five days. The fact you have that kind of anchor to lean on and the fact that there's not this drop off anywhere on this team, right? There's not, there's not a spot where it's, you know, how do we replace 100 points from this guy? How do we replace 50 points from this guy? I don't I don't see that, especially when you think that Keandre should only be better. Heedle should only be better. I'm not putting my hope in the Lafreniere basket. Like, I know that's harsh for a lot of Rangers fans to hear. I'm sure a lot of them also agree. I feel like you guys even are at the point where you're like, great if it happens. If it doesn't, it's over. I'm not putting my hope in that basket anymore. And I think that's why you often say this, Greg. Like that's why Wheeler's here. Like you actually have some insurance, really cheap insurance, in case Lafreniere doesn't work out. You're not like, okay, we need Johnny Brodzinski or someone like that to figure this out for us. You're not looking there. You actually have a pro veteran that's done it. I just think that as long as you have Igor, you always have a shot. And I'm curious to see how this coach maximizes that advantage that it felt like the other coach did not. Yeah, I mean, Lafreniere is just going to eat so much oxygen. He's already eaten so much oxygen on our show, on every show, on if there was sports radio that What's cared about hockey. There's nothing. He's either going to do it or he's not. There's, I, have no in, I have no insight that says, oh, his XG is at a certain point right. where all he needs. No, he's either going to do it or he's not. Um, and that's why, you know, you can see how Drury likes to build a hockey team. It, it was pretty evident how he was trying to build the team pre Kane trade where he added all these pieces that made the Rangers deeper. And then, you know, what happened with Kane is what happened. The player forced his way here. The coach wanted him here. Um, I still, from all we've heard, Dolan had no imprint, whatever on Kane getting here. Dolan was legitimately so concerned with the sphere getting done and finally just being out of his head that he told he told both the Rangers and the Knicks, like, go forth, young children. I I trust you for the first time maybe in his history as an owner. But Drury likes limiting questions. That, that seems to be his mantra and his goal. He likes himself 
a deep team with versatile players that can do multiple things. That's why Blake Wheeler is here not to take a spot away from Lafreniere. Blake Wheeler is here where if Lafreniere can't do it, Drury doesn't have to trade for the guy. That's why Blake Wheeler is here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I was going to ask you what camp battles you got your eyes on because I know a lot of people. I think this, I mean this is in the nicest way possible, and I think it's a good thing for the Rangers. While this was one of the most boring summers as a Ranger fan because Drury literally did his business and then went on a six-week vacation, I don't think there's a battle in training camp that I'm going to have an eye on. Where like, I mean, does one exist? Truthfully, I, if you squint hard enough, you could probably say Gustafson v. Jones or that's Hedl, the one, yes, or, or Heedle v. Trocheck for two C. But I think all four of those players are going to be on the opening right roster. All four of those players are going to get run in the first fifteen games of the season, and all four of those players are going to serve a purpose on this team. Where I don't really care what that purpose is on opening night. So like. I, 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 I'm at peace with that. That's usually the sign of a good, healthy roster. At the same time, you know, it's not really fun to go on a podcast and be like, here's the 22-man roster I expect the Rangers to break camp with, and you're going to be completely right about it. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of framing it. And I also even look at Zach Jones, and, like, I'm rooting for him. But when it comes down to it, when you look at Gustafson and some of the success he's had with Laviolette, it just feels like he walks into camp. The coach walks into camp and is like, I know what this guy is already. I feel a certain way about him. I'm If it's a tie, I'm going to go with him because I know exactly what I can get out of him. So that's not even that would be the one where you're looking at like legit the difference of playing and not playing mm-hmm. a lot of the battles. You can't say that because you brought up right show Trocek and Heedle, of course, but they're going to play. Yep. I mean, they're going to play a lot. And I think when you look at some of the young kids that'll be in camp, even Cooley, who we saw last year, they're not being brought into camp with expectations that they need to help this team. I mean, otherwise, you don't go out and sign Nick Benino, right? I mean, you don't. You don't go out and sign. God, they have a lot of depth. I mean, it's Tyler Pitlick. Uh, Bell Zeal, I know, actually was okay last year when he came up. But, you know, not for the Rangers, uh, of I course. I mean, but... R- Riley Nash was a 65-point player in uh, <laughs> AHL last year. And he's the guy right, that's like, he's done this before yeah. at the NHL level. Right. It's the old argument. I feel like with all those guys, it's like we're talking about the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth starting pitcher for a team. And you're like, you might see him for a week here or two weeks there. And it takes these, you guys have said this, it takes four injuries to get to this guy. Their <laughs> Rangers are just one of those teams. And you're right. You'd rather it be this way that you're solidified. You don't, you don't want to be talking yourself into a battle of, two borderline unknowns, but you know the ceiling is really, really limited. It's a good place to not having to talk yourself into those situations. Um, but it makes for a boring camp. Like Honestly, you guys talk about this team multiple times a week. What are you even most excited for at this point? Probably just games to be played, so your podcast is actually <laughs> reacting to games to be played. Yeah, so I, honestly, that that's it for me. Um, because again, I, I think people are going to spend time being angry about whether um, Heedle is the two C to start the season, or oh, the whether... lines will be. It'll the... be the Mets lineup that's released every night. That's what the lines will be. Yeah, and it's ter- it's like I, reaction. you know, I I didn't get upset when Daniel Volgaback was still hitting fifth in May because I didn't think the offense was the problem. So like, I don't worry about what the lineup looks like in October. I just don't. 
by the time we get to March, it's going to look completely different. Mostly either it looks completely different because it has to, or it stays the exact same because it's perfect. And that's fine. Like that's, I need a sample size to work with. I, I don't know. I, I really think, you know, this week's been interesting with prospect camp and obviously Drury and Othman are saying the right things where it's like, I just want to play. If that means I'm on the right wing, that means I'm on the right wing. Um, that's the right thing to say. I'm happy he's saying it, but I'm also not necessarily, I, I don't put any stock whatsoever into it. And then, you know, I want to be excited. I've been talking Bobby Trevino up a lot uh, yeah. this fall, mostly because, buddy, I got to talk somebody up. Um, he had a great... He's looked good. Yeah, but here's the thing. And I I, I talked myself almost out of it immediately. Uh, Bobby Trevino's <laughs> a solid four years older than all the other guys playing in these prospect games. Yeah. He should look this good playing That's in these prospect point. games. Um, at the same time, you know, he remains a super intriguing bottom six pest slash offensive upside guy. But if that's what I'm talking myself into, that would be you and me doing a Mets podcast in spring training and us just going on about Joey Lucchese for 25 minutes. We've done it. (laughs) (laughs) We've done it. We've done a lot worse than that. Yamamoto. I mean, of course, Jose Buto. Yeah. Hey man, Buto's looking looking good, buddy. I don't know what else to say. He is. He's going to be the eighth man next year. It's, um, I know. It's crazy when you get to that point that you're at the dead of the off season. You're just waiting for things to happen, and you're talk. You're like analyzing deeply, analyzing scenarios that it would take so many events to happen for you to even get there. But that's what happens this part of the year. It's tough. Do you want to talk David Stearns a little bit? This is the first I do official yeah. show since David Stearns has essentially confirmed the world's worst secret that had the Brewers <laughs> so pissed off they said the Mets were trying to trade them Pete Alonso. Um, by the way, that's a conspiracy. You want to talk about conspiracy theories that I'm big on. It's still Stevie wonder can see is number one in the clubhouse for me. I'm not saying he's got 2020 vision, but I'm (laughs) saying that man can see shapes. He can make things out. He's not a thousand. It's not lights out for Stevie wonder at all times. That's what I'm saying when I say he's not blind, but two for me, it's that the Brewers have been angry at the Mets for two plus years, ever since Steve Cohen took over the team. So they leaked the story that they were close quote-unquote close to trading for Pete Alonso just to try to stir the hornet's nest, even though they were never close. It was never serious. They know exactly what they're doing. They're just trying to create dysfunction in the Mets clubhouse. That's my number one sports conspiracy theory, which has now taken the mantle from uh, MJ didn't retire. He was suspended. Okay. I mean, number one, I like where your head's at. And, you know, I remember when the details all leaked about that. And the Brewer, but they were coming out right away and they're like, the Brewers' top prospect is not like he's, he's not offered. And I'm like, then what, how is this trade happening? <laughs> it's Pete Alonso. Yeah. It's not like a, it's not Mark Hanna. I mean, it was crazy to me. That's kind of where it tells you it never got even close to that serious. And if it never got that close to serious, obviously the Mets aren't going to be leaking that out. Yeah, it does feel like a, who has the reason to let that out? Because that's not trade talks. If it wasn't serious, you have to have some some really petty bad reasoning to let that out. So I'm sure there's not uh, a lot of you know feel good 
back and forth between the two. That's why I always laugh when people are like, maybe they could trade for Corbin Burns. I'm like, (laughs) slow down. (laughs) I know that that's a popular topic in the BSB discord too, where it's like, Oh, we'll get one of Burns or Woodruff. And I was like, (laughs) I promise you we're not doing any business with the Brewers anytime soon. You will not get either of them. I would love it as well. And if I'm wrong, I'll gladly admit I'm wrong. I don't, see them being able to go down that road no uh but i if everybody that listened to bsbot this week essentially became uh a david stern's love fest from yours truly but I, i'm curious to hear your take on it i think i think this is going to be a fairly boring mets off season where i think yamamoto is priority number one i think yeah, alonzo exciting Whew. but that He's... but but that's it like I, they're not going to yeah. sign us they will hopefully extend alonzo but they're not signing a single bat. They're going to run back this offense. They're going to let Acuna and Gilbert make their debut next year. They're going to put all the eggs in the Mauricio basket. Beatty's going to get one more shot. Viento's going to get one more shot. If people are hoping the Mets are going out to acquire a bat, it's not happening. They need to bring in three new starting pitchers, but Yamamoto's going to be the only one I think anyone would call sexy. And yet I got to tell you, I'm really excited for the fact that they just have an adult in the room. That's great. That's the biggest thing is that you have a guy that can map out a plan. And I'm sure he's been thinking about it for a while. And he has a relationship with Epler. And I know people don't like Epler. We, I like that spot. We defend Epler. I'm a, I'm, I'm an Epler defender as well. Yeah. I think it's so funny. The big combo we always have is if you like the Verlander tra- signing didn't work. Right. And everybody's like, well, imagine if he went the other route. Imagine if he signed Rodon or re-signed to Grom, or, you know what I mean? Oh. You look at all the other options. It was disaster after disaster. Yeah. Verlander got you two top prospects. This is, this is what I was, this is what I was doing in, in May and June when I was getting angry more at Met fans than the Mets, where people were like, they shouldn't have signed Verlander. And I was like, oh yeah, you would have been thrilled if they signed Ross Stripling. That <laughs> that's what you wanted them to do. Like that. It, it, what are we doing? It, it's I, I'd rather yeah. the Mets miss on the high priced free agents because at least they're signing high priced free agents. Exactly. It's just, it's costing you money and it's Steve Cohen's money. And who cares about that? Steve Cohen doesn't seem to that much <laughs> sure, yet. So he sure doesn't. I mean, Epler has his shortcomings, but overall him working with Stearns, we we've joked too, that like Epler, not jokes. It's pretty serious. Epler's ability to scout and it translates to results. The, baseball the asian baseball leagues is i mean when you look at the the home run that senga has been senga's in the cy young conversation right now it's amazing how nobody's talking about that you look at how bad the nl cy young uh field is right now there's a legitimate case for senga to be the cy young yeah i i saw i'm sure you shot i'm sure you saw this number two i forgot who tweeted it i apologize um but it's there are two pitchers in all of baseball that have an ERA under three and a K per nine over 11. Uh, uh, yeah. ERA under three K per nine over 11. It's Sanga and Blake Snell. And that's the entire list. Yep. Yeah. And they, they both their the shortcoming with each of them is innings. So I think when you look at it, that was a big win for Epler and just getting back to Stearns. Cause that's what matters here. The most is the fact that you have a guy that understands the trade market. He's going to understand every level of the organization I think the most important thing is that he understands pitching and now the, he's going to an organization I, where he has the resources to spend as a supplement to the roster, but also develop with every single resource at hand for player development, uh, for free agency, for the trade market. 
it's just you have a I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but you have the closest thing to a mastermind now running the top of the organization. I think I, this is going to sound crazy, but I think the most important thing is is not only is it, listen, he the Brewers have developed pitching. It's what they do. Hader, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, you go down the list, the Brewers are able to find pitchers seemingly out of nowhere. I still think the most important thing Stearns is bringing to the Mets is he understands the Mets. He's a Met fan. Right. He yep. got his start in baseball as an intern with Sandy Alderson. And the only reason he didn't stay is Money. some, so that's it. That, that is that's it. What, yeah. That's and then a he, rumor. he, yeah. he went, sense. went to the Astros, helped build them up, went to the Brewers, created everything that they are now. He gets being a Met. He's from here. He's been to Shea. He sat in the seats you and I had to sit in growing up. He's experienced the depression you and I have had to experience. I, I went down a, I, I made a mistake today. I went down a rabbit hole with uh, Dan LaRose, friend of the show. He's who did BSBOT last week. My biggest what if in sports remains the 2006 New York Mets, where I think two things, two things. One, just don't trade Scott Casimir in 2004. Don't do it. Best year of Scott Casimir's career was 2006, and the Mets were a starting pitcher short. You you have Scott Casimir, you win a World Series. And then two, it's being distracted by Duaner Sanchez getting in a cab, thinking you needed a reliever when really you needed a starting pitcher, and Levon Hernandez was right there for free, and you didn't do it. If the Mets do one of those two things, they're World Series champions, and my life is completely different. But it's not, and I'm miserable, and I'm sad, and I had to go down that rabbit hole today. Um I don't even know how I got here. David Stearns, is that how I got here? Yeah. No, that <laughs> he understands what it's like to be one of us. I mean, if you sat in those cold metal seats all the way up in Shea, where you could feel the shaking and obviously the the airplanes and just just about everything that came with going to that ballpark. I mean, you get it. You absolutely get it. And that is like a really cool element to this. There's no denying that. I think back to your point about it being a quiet offseason and, and getting Yamamoto would be sick because, I mean, he's 25. And he could be a legitimate, a legitimate frontline ace. I asked somebody recently, like, man, I can't think of a time in baseball, and this might just be, you know, having sports brain too much oversaturation, but a uh, rotation in a major market led by two Japanese aces with him and Senga would be unbelievable to watch them and they're, what they're going to do. He's got the yo-yo curve, so Senga has the ghost fork. Yamamoto has the yo-yo curve. Um, the ghost fork, one of the most deadly pitches in baseball this year by every metric. But you're right. Outside of filling out the pitching staff, Greg, you know, you have Quintana coming back, who's been been good, and you're going to sign more starters. If you can get Yamamoto, you're still going to add more arms. I mean, where are you adding to this lineup? It doesn't feel like a year where they're just waving the white flag, but it does feel like a transitional year where they're trying to figure things out. They're trying to figure out, okay, where's Ronnie's long-term home and is he a long-term player? And we we all really think he's going to be a big-time player. Alvarez getting that consistency. Can Beatty find it? Can Vientos find it? And not all those guys are going to be a yes. I mean, there's going to be guys that j- it just doesn't work. But having the answer to that question is a massive, massive part of the Mets' future right now. Yeah, I mean, you know my answer on Beatty. It's been my answer. Oh, it's been my answer for years, buddy. Uh, I just feel reinvigorated and vindicated every step of the way. But- it's getting scary. It's it's tough to say. It's I mean. It's getting a little – you're at least starting to feel it now where you're like, oh, man, you know. And then now they're giving Ronnie looks at third where it's like maybe, they, maybe they're feeling it a little bit too. I know Beatty's hurt, but still. I, th- I think part of it, it is – something. Part of it is Mauricio has been 
I get why it took this long for him to come up this year. There was no point in starting his clock earlier. I, I can understand that. At the same time, he's doing everything I expected him to do once he came up, which is swing a lot when he makes contact, hit the ball really hard. That's the most important thing. And be real versatile. whenever well, he, he Having him and Jeff McNeil is creating essentially what Billy Epler really wants, which is just endless versatility. Those two guys, you can plug them anywhere depending on who the starting pitcher is, and you're not giving anything up in your corner outfield spots. And hopefully, the hope with Mauricio is you're not getting any, giving anything up in your infield spots if he's playing second or third. That That is the dream. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. It's just to me, yeah, I, listen, I'm not going to play the the Mets should be good next year card yet. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a Yamamoto-sized signing that will make me feel like the Mets are going to be good. But offensively... It'll be fun. It'll be fun because this team should be able to score. Um, hopefully, DJ Stewart hangs around as the new Vogelback where he's the lefty bat off the bench. But you'll have Alvarez behind the plate, Alonzo at first, you'll have McNeil, you'll have Nimmo, you'll have whatever's left of Starling Marte's groins, um, you'll have Mauricio. This team should score runs, and both Acuna and Gilbert should make their debuts next year. They should at some point. I don't know when. Yeah, you'll see them. The, but they'll, them. they'll be up. So if we can answer some questions offensively internally, which is what the Dodgers do every year, um, the Dodgers don't – yeah, the Dodgers signed Freddie Freeman and traded for Mookie Betts, but it's a lot of James Outman. It's a lot of Will Smith. It's a lot of Gavin Lux, who unfortunately got hurt this year. But the Dodgers do everything they can to answer the question internally – before they go out there and spend big bucks. And even then, they're trying to play a one-year a one year waiver on J.D. Martinez and hoping it worked, but because they're the Dodgers, it usually works. But you, the Steve Cohen keeps saying he wants to be the Dodgers of the East, and in order to do that, you have to be self-sustainable from within. And he's trying really hard to do that, and next year is going to test that. We're going to see just what the Mets have here self-sustaining because once you get to 2025, then you can start dreaming a little bit about Jet Williams, who is starting to get a little steam, but I'm skeptical. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm skeptical of Jet. Uh, Colin Houck was a really nice get for the Mets in last year's draft. You got him in three or four years. This is a team that's interesting. They just don't have any pitching. I like Man, Blake I, Tidwell. Yeah. I like yeah. Tidwell. I like Vassal to me is like the new Dylan G, which that's not an insult. Dylan G, <laughs> when he first came up, was my favorite pitcher. I fucking love that guy. Um, but they just they don't have those stars in their minors in, on the pitching end. So they're going to have to keep spending on arms. But if you can get a 25-year-old and then possibly another 25-year-old from Japan right behind him by the time he gets posted in Sasaki, if you just allow your pitching to become Japanese, I'm all for it. All for it. It would be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. And honestly, if I was going to plant a flag on a guy in the system, it would be Jet. I just think he's different. I really do. He's... I mean, the reason he didn't go in the top six picks is because he was small, right? And when you watch him play, it just doesn't matter. He's fast. He gets on base at an alarming rate. He hits the ball hard. He's hitting the ball hard now. Um, he's got great bat to ball. He can play the field. He's got an awesome attitude. Like, you talk to him, and you're just like, this kid's all about baseball. Uh, yeah, he's – I mean, I think they got a really exciting system. They're so athletic in their system, and that's brings me back to, like, Mauricio coming up and having – you know, six steals, I think it is now. I think while we were recording, you got a six steal. He's they have so much more athleticism now with the young guys, and that's typically how it goes. But with the new rules, it matters so much in baseball. And I think the final thing for the Mets, too, is once in a while unearthing and finding these random guys that 
you see something in them cut from another team and they turn into something for you. You brought up the Dodgers, the extreme example. I think of Max Mun- Muncy, just a cast mm-hmm. off from the from Oakland. And then the Dodgers bring him in and he hits 35 home runs in his first two seasons for them. It's just like, I'm not saying you're going to go find a Max Muncy every year. I'm not saying you're going to find him once, you know, every 10 years. But can you get something out of guys that don't have expectations? Because all of the great run franchises simply do. And maybe DJ Stewart will be that guy. Who knows? I mean, he's a former first round pick with another team. Maybe he'll be that guy. But with Stearns, it feels like the probability of finding useful depth off the scrap heap uh goes that those odds go way up i'd agree uh and i think that's enough met talk people are gonna get pretty yeah, upset i forgot i was on after. a rangers <laughs> right uh any final ranger thoughts before i let you on your way so we can go watch the under 10 games under 500 mets or you know what there are two football <laughs> games on tonight i might yeah, watch one a, of those it's a weak double header but it um it is a double header you know what's the weirdest rangers thing i'm actively rooting for and maybe not weird, but just random. I feel like I'm probably the only Rangers fan that would be thinking about this. I want Trocek to just have a monster, monster, monster year. So I never have to hear people once again act like his contract is, I don't even know what to compare it to. Robinson Cano. I feel like people <laughs> talk about Trocek like he's Robinson Cano. And I get it. It was the final move that officially put the Rangers like up against the wall. And it's like, well, we can't really do a lot now. But the dude is a really, really good player, man. He's a really good player. He does a lot of things that they needed. I hope he has this mammoth year where like I don't need everybody to just be praising him and acting like he's the second best player on the team. But just so people stop talking so poorly about the guy, because I think it's just gone way, way too far for what is, uh, in my opinion, a really good player on this team and easy to root for. Yeah, I I he's, think people forget he's, he's a bit of a shithead on the ice, and I I just I love it so much. I mean, it's I'm so team funny. I'm team shithead. I'm I'm big fan yeah. of it. It's the thing that attracts me most to his game. Yeah, the the way Trocheck's it's kind of like Jacob Truba to a certain extent. It's gone too far, man. Yeah, it's gone too far. People just I'm sick of it. I root for all the Rangers that people give way too hard of a time because Truba absolutely won. Uh, Trocheck another one. Maybe not. I, man, I hope Lafreniere figures it out, but I don't wave that flag anymore. I just don't have it in me, Greg. I don't you're, have it in you're fighting me right the now. fight on other fronts with guys that are actually effective right now in the roles yeah. in which they play. You might have to fight this fight with Artemi Panarin in a couple of years, just so you know. Just so you're prepared. Oh, man, I know. He's, he's, he's bald. It's tough. It's tough. He's so, so good, and he's consistently such a producer, but everybody will have the – like Mika, you always do the Mika hand. I mean – that's what's in your mind from the playoff loss like that. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Connor, this is fun, man. I said we were going to go 35. We went 51. All right. uh, that, that checks That's out. That's great, man. I love um, it. Just for everybody. vacation more, Ryan. Take more time <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, man, he's missed. Dude, think of the th- – I have to catch him up on uh, – first of all, it was John Franco's birthday. That's a big one that he missed. Uh, <laughs> the, the Rays got a new stadium. Mike Babcock got fired. Um – Shit, so much as other things have happened. There's a running list in our Discord where people are just g- keeping a running tab of things that have happened that aren't going to sound hired. real. The Stern's he hired. Likes, he likes baseball like management. I feel like. As oh, a oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's hey, big. He he's that. a big nerd like that. Yeah, I the amount of st- the amount of like tertiary things Ryan has missed that <laughs> I'm going to have to catch him up on. It, next level. Um, Connor, people can find you everywhere. You do the Mets pod, which is phenomenal. Uh, Jets Jets coverage on SNY, which 
Uh, Gelb's Gelb's doing the depressing in-game read after Rogers went down. Oh, is, I still listen to that video every now and then when I need a laugh. Um, Has he been on here? He, yeah, he he did a he right? did yeah he way back I when so. way yeah, back when I think so what yeah we'll have to we'll I we'll just have to do a a Jets pre and post BSB edition <laughs> at some point. <laughs> well, that's that's another. Shame. I'm gonna have to tell Ryan Aaron Rodgers died. Like that's another yeah. thing I have to tell Ryan. Ryan, I'll be like whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's I mean, I'm like okay, what's what else? Uh, I'll, I'll tell him that Aaron Rodgers nice ex- Aaron Rodgers expects to play again is probably the more mm. shocking thing there. Yeah, I uh, man, poor Ryan. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is trying to hockey playoff this thing. Like, oh yeah, like he has one functioning toe, and but uh, he's gonna he's gonna play through it. I mean, that's what he's trying to do. I'll be honest, Aaron Rodgers right now without an Achilles is still the best quarterback on the Jets roster. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, just, just just somebody hold him up and have him throw. Oh, it's tough, man. Uh, it's tough. I hope they write this ship. I obviously do. Connor, where can they find you on the on the X? Yeah. before we have to pay yeah. for it and we all. I'm leave? always calling it Twitter. I just don't have it in me to change at this point after how many years at Connor J Rogers, everything's there. Um, yeah, everything's there, man. It's always fun. It's always fun doing this. I love coming on with you guys. I'm glad you didn't burn the house down while Ryan was gone, Greg. I, I listen, the podcast feed still works when I get in the car to drive to NBC, uh, in the morning. I'm like, okay, good. It's it, like, it didn't break while he's gone. I right? still, so I still scary. have, I still have another week. There's another gambling with Greg and a BSBOT to come. I can still do something that disrupts yes, some can. power the that feed. be here. Yeah, just rip the cord out on the feed. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I, you know, sometimes I think about it, Connor. I do. I do. <laughs> I uh, but no, I, I, I can't. I love, I love hearing myself too much to ever do that to me. Um, there you go. All right, guys, you can catch me at Blue Shirt Break. You can catch Connor, Connor J. Rogers. You can catch Ryan. Who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> I'll be back. As, as aforementioned, Grambling with Greg will be back on Wednesday night. Uh, I think I have another friend that wants to come on and give his shitty opinions. So you guys can come hear that. Uh, BSBOT this week. That'll be on Thursday at some point, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, we're out. Uh, shout out to my grandma. Sadly, she passed away at the age of 98. Um, was difficult saying goodbye to her this weekend. But just she every now and then would listen to the show and would ask me when my next radio hit was going to be when she meant the podcast. So I just wanted to shout out to grandma, man. Grandma, grandma Shirley, one of a kind, one One of a kind, dude. She, she, the things she did, the things she saw, the life she lived is, uh, one to be envious of. And I was lucky enough to see her, um, a week ago when I went down to the city for the U S open. So I consider myself lucky and blessed, uh, that I got to spend some time with her, but Shout out to her. Um, been heavy on my thoughts the last couple of days. Wanted to make sure I gave her a, a nice a nice plug there. But yeah, we'll see you guys later this week. We'll see Ryan. I think he's back next week. That's what I'm... I'm out of shows pre-recorded. So if he's not back, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm making him up. Uh, We've run out of food. <laughs> oh, that's you're on Good Hangs Three, Connor. I crushed Ryan. You're gonna you're gonna want to listen. Ooh. You're gonna want to listen to the first part of this. My group of ten is so much cooler than Ryan's group of ten. Okay, I like. I'm actually. This is incredible content coming. <laughs> I'm very very into this. Cool guys. We'll see you in a bit. Connor, say goodbye. Bye guys. Thanks everyone. All right. Let's uh, let's read some names, shall we? Also, I never said it on the show. I should make mention of it now. Happy New Year, uh, Lashana Tovado, all my members of the tribe. Uh, let's make 57, whatever the hell, a special one. Might even be 58 at this point. All right, names, shall we? Going from the top to the bottom this time. Laura Ross, nothing but love. 
Maddie Jack, Matthew Kind, you're the guy. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Curatolo, Adam Lidner. You got a lot of Adams now. Adem Cheech, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Amber Konigsberger, Andrew Rauner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Montoro, Anthony Tanagretta, Ben Waters, shout out San Diego, Ben Weber, shout out tall people, Bennett Lomayer, Bill Alson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell. Guys, got to work up on the name originality here. Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman. How do we even have two Cassidys? Chris Finelli, Chris Horu, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dejuen, David Narain, David Siegel, Dennis Dietz, Darian, what up, girl? Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainis, Greg talks about the Mets during sex. I sure do. Gretzky McFly, Hayak waivers happen before Ryan watched Miracle because he's bummed. Harrison Haskew, Hella Vanilla, Hip Hip 89, Jack Bagley, James Masker. We're changing pages, bear with me. Do 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 do. Jerrion Marquez, Jason Stomer, Jason Zabransky, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, all caps, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Kako Praise B24, that's Chris from Florida, Christopher Berg, Leshik Gronowski, Immortal Lou Giordano, Matthew Godwin, Meatball the Cat, Michael Canick, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Mancuso, Mike Posternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Nicholas D. Nicola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kondratchev, Fennis Ignition, PJ Sisbaru, Pro World of Tanks Gamer, Randy Tesser, an OG, Swinegart, Taj Seamus, The Drop BK, Tom Siklari, Tom Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Wayne E., Will Spector, and last but not least, Winston, the Golden Retriever.